G'day lads, hope we're having a cracker day, as always. We're talking to Mark Milburn today from Vancouver. This guy is a total, total alpha. Uh, you meet this guy and straight away he's grounded, he's present, but he's clearly in control. He had my instant attention and respect. I'm not sure if you can hear that, but there is a lady singing opera like four houses down. She's been cracking at it for like the last hour and a half. But anyways, Mark is uh, an entrepreneur. He's got a couple of businesses which he talks about. He is an influencer. He's a model. He does acting. He's really got his fingers in lots of little pies and is doing a good job at hitting it hard. He used to race track for Team Canada. He does backcountry skiing and takes people heli skiing, all of this crazy stuff. And we really dive into some, some really great content in this episode talks about how he got expelled from high school and how this literally saved his life, how to get out of a rut when you're in one and take advantage of the tough times. And he talks a little bit about Nickelback and stealing a few things. It's a good one. I know you're going to enjoy it. Dudes, welcome back. Um, we are in <laughs> Torpal and Mark's house. Um, we've got Mark now. We just ran through the first one. Thank you for joining us once again on the Live More Regret Less podcast. What's going on, dude? Fill us in. Not much. Doing? I'm doing good. I just finished a really good meeting with, uh, I actually have a business partner in Australia for another company. And so he's based there. I'm here. And so I just had a sales pitch meeting and ah, we landed it, which is good. So it's the beginning of a, a big contract here. So Sick. Can you it. share a bit about that? Or yeah, like no, it's, it's, like... uh, it's an audition management software. So essentially when you're an actor or singer or a class and you audition for stuff, be it commercials or TVs, we capture the software. We upload it, we send it to producers, they approve it, they send it back, and that's how you get booked for a job. Cool. So we're a cutting-edge software that no other company in the world has, and so we're trying to enter the Canadian market. Right now, it's the largest software in Australia in the Southern Hemisphere. So I'm the Canadian link. So it's great. It's fun to walk in and have something that nobody else has. Good times. Good times. <laughs> that's epic. Um, so yeah, we'll roll into our high and low for the week. I'm going to switch it up, as I did one of these an hour ago. Um, high. I'll go with low first. Low... Low for the week. Actually, I'm going to stick with that one. I forgot somehow the main microphone's adapter. Fuck. I swear to God it was in my bag. Lucky I had a backup, so that was sweet. Um, and then the high, I think, uh, for the week. Like, just having a bunch of these lined up. It's been fun. Nice. We have a really good time. That's a good week. Yeah. Uh, my low for the week, I mean, it's only Tuesday. So we'll do a week, week, week yeah. Tuesday. I don't know. People who know me, I don't really have a lot of lows. I find, um, obviously lows are a spectrum system. So the more extreme your low, the more extreme your high and you can understand the variability, but I coast pretty much above mm. the mid range there. So I guess my biggest low is that there's just not enough time in the day. And, uh, my high launching my new company, Peeled Media with, um, some really great guys. So I'm excited for the direction of that. That's my high. Sick, dude. That's on Tuesday. Yeah, I know. Good times. <laughs> the week is ahead. And you got time. I know. Okay. <laughs> so, um, let's give a little bit of background, like who you are, what you've been doing in the last, say, 10 years. And cool. yeah, how did you end up to where you are now? 10 years ago to today, I was sitting in Singapore. And I actually know this because Facebook told me today. <laughs> 10 years ago today, I was sitting in Singapore and I just finished shooting a campaign for a company called Raul, which is like a gap. So I was modeling over there. 
Um, and I was um, I retired and I had just gotten hired to go back and do that job. And I was just enrolling into university in Victoria. So that was my last job. So it was a pretty cool day 10 years ago. And since then, I've started two gyms. I started a technology company, which failed miserably. I started, uh, I tried to go to the Olympics for track cycling, but Australia is extremely faster than we are. So that failed. <laughs> and uh, um, I opened another gym here in Vancouver. I was on a reality TV show. I've been in two Hallmark movies. And now I'm here sitting with you. Dude, Last ten wild. years have been pretty exciting. That's wild. That's yeah. wild. Um, so I, we had a great. I really liked where the conversation was going before sure. we started, and like I want to talk about uh, stuck in a rut. Um, a lot of guys get you know stuck. We we're talking about like quarter life crisis, and you were saying, well, I don't really like why do people get in this quarter life crisis? You had you had crises all throughout your life, mm-hmm. and it's whether you get stuck in them or not. Um, like, how do you? get unstuck? I think it's perspective. And we were talking about this. Am I, you're only stuck in a rut when you're not choosing to learn from the rut itself. So when you're in that rut, that's your that's the, that's where you want to be. You, that means you're being challenged. That's your opportunity to look around and figure out what is holding me back and learn from what's holding you back. It's the thing that out of ruts comes inspiration and creativity. When you're flying, you don't realize because everything's going great. You don't really realize what you're learning. It's not until you're stuck that you have to figure out a solution. And so I think that people who wallow and and sit in a rut, they're just they're really closed-minded. They're not choosing to learn. Mm. Every rut has been an opportunity for a new idea to come to fruition or something creative to start. Um, out of ruts, great companies are born. Stars are made. And I think the fear of being in a rut is what holds people back. Because you should actually be excited when you're in them because you don't know what's around the corner. And that's what's exciting. Mm, 100%. And, you know, for for someone that's in a rut right now, you know, it might be, they might be like, dude, it's easy for you to say, but you're not here right now. Like, what's... 100%. And I will... Try, how do I get out? I'd happily be in your rut because the truth is, is there's, there's three simple things you do. The first one is, why are you in that rut? It always starts with why. Why are you in this rut? What is your rut? Clearly define what it is. And then you have to clearly define what it is that you want. If you don't know those three things, you're never going to get out of your rut because you're not opening yourself up to learning. If you figure out why, you understand everything with regards to, um, you know, did my friends put me here because I had the wrong friend group? Did I make the wrong decision with the girl? Did I make the wrong business decision? Did I do drugs last night? Now I'm depressed. Am I out of shape so because I'm lazy, <laughs> right? Like all of these different things. When you understand the why, it helps you figure out the next one, which is the what. What is it that I'm in? What do I need to change? What do I need to do? The actions. And then it's the execution. Is what is it that I'm going for? The simplification of this is what's going to give you that end result, which is getting out of that rut. But now you're heavily educated mm-hmm. and aware. Mm-hmm. And when did you, um, was there a point where you, took that outside perspective? Like, do you remember, was there a, a shift in your own life where you were like, actually, I'm in control? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I grew up in a really great family. I have an amazing mom and dad. I grew up under the perception that my parents were rich. When you have rich parents, you can be as lazy and self-absorbed as you want. Um, you don't have to be, obviously, but you can be. When I was racing for Team Canada for track cycling, I was at the Commonwealth Trials. And I got a phone call from my mom, and she's like, I just want you to know your father is bankrupt. 
And I was an hour out from my race. And I just remember sitting there, and I was really confused. And I'm like, wait, like, I have two gyms. Like, I went to a private school that I got expelled from. Like, I, you know, like, I, I'm doing crazy shit in my life. What do you mean? Like, I'm not inheriting anything? I was always under the, like, oh, I don't have to worry. My business will be fine. Oh, I don't have to worry. This will be fine. I've got this nest egg. That was, that was the turning point in my life where I realized I didn't have a nest egg and it was the greatest freedom I'd ever experienced. Because now, first of all, my father was on the same level as I was. He made mistakes and I made mistakes. He wasn't able to hold anything above me. It was also in that moment that I was able to create a best friend. I finally understood what my best friend was. My dad and my mom are my best friends. They're no longer my mom and my dad necessarily. They're my mom and my dad and my best friend. That was so powerful because now I can make mistakes and instead of them looking down at me, they're looking eye level with me they make mistakes too. And then it made me realize that everything that I do for myself now is compounded as equally as important as it is that I'm doing it for them instead of vice versa, where I thought everything that I'm doing, it's fine, they've got me covered. Yeah. And now it's, no, 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 I have to make sure that I save up money, I have to make smarter decisions because they're retired, I'm, I'm gonna have to take care of them later. And that's something that I didn't ever really think about. Mm. And it was perception. My parents were never really that wealthy, they just worked hard. And they put me first. And so they always put me first, meaning if I wanted to ski race, I got great skis. But that didn't mean they were rich. That was just my own perception. Yeah, well. So, yeah, that was my turning point. That's sick. Yeah. And was there, um, was there another point where it felt really shit at the time? A bad moment that actually turned out to be really, really good? Uh, say that again. So in that moment itself, you mean? Or just another one in just, my life? Just another one. Oh, my life. God. I had many. Like, I got expelled from one of the top high schools and. Canada six weeks after being there and but it what, saved what my life it? I was an only child I grew up in the country I loved stealing shit <laughs> <laughs> I, I loved it because because it was I watched the Thomas Crown Affair that movie and I was like obsessed with how cool it was stealing stuff but I just enjoyed the challenge I liked I liked how creative you had to be it wasn't just like sticking something in my pocket like I would go into a store I would mingle with the guys. Oh, can I try the CD out? I took the CD out of the thing, put it in my pocket, put the case back, put the plastic back on. The next day I would return the stuff because I just enjoyed the challenge of it. It was being creative in a different way. Um, when I was in high school, I got caught. I, had, I wanted to, I went to this private school. I was there on a sports scholarship and everyone was really wealthy. And I was only there because I was a skilled athlete. And so I stole a teacher's laptop, rebranded it and tried to print it with mine. So I was a cool kid with a laptop. And eventually a kid actually told on me and that's how I got caught. A silver lining is my high school was a school that had an avalanche that killed um, seven of the 14 kids. I was the lead skier on that trip and I got expelled one week before I was supposed to go. The lead skier was buried nine meters deep in snow and died. That was my spot. So for me, yeah, there's some negative points, but there's some positive outcomes for me. It's, it's perspective is what I learned over and over and over. My first business was incredibly successful as a gym. My second one was a floundering failure because I went to it with the wrong mindset, but that failure has been perspective because as soon as I changed my perspective, I turned that business into a success. So ruts are opportunities to learn. Yeah, 100%. And um, that's epic. How do you share that or meet people at the same level? Um, I find when I first started, you know, becoming a PT and like this sort of stuff, it was, I was really not meeting people at their level. And I think that that's so, that's the skill that I've worked really hard at. 
and you know, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at it. I think it's such a valuable thing. Like, do you have any advice for people to meet people at someone else's level so they can relate instead of telling what to do when they give advice and when they share something? Uh, <clears throat> Obama said it. There's, in one sense, and Trump tried to reiterate it, but it was, um, there's no such thing as, there's only one race, it's the human race. And that's theoretically the same with intellectuality and creativity. No one is, I don't care how wealthy you are, how strong you are, anything. Everybody offers something. And if you think about that, if every single person I meet has something that they can teach me, we're seeing each other eye, eye to eye. I'm able to learn from you and you're able to learn from me. <laughs> um, so that doesn't change, like that's how I'm able to sit down with anyone. Like that guy out there who lives in that tent has some of the same decisions and choices that I have to make every single day. I'm living in a $1.8 million apartment and that guy lives in a tent. Mm. Yet we all suffer with the psychology of choice. And there's a way to relate with him just as much as he can relate with me in some aspects. Of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's how I did it. I, just, I think we all can learn from each other. And what you see when you look at packaging, for instance, and what I see when I look at packaging, you see different things. But what I'm fascinated to know how it impacts you, as, as you should be interested as it impacts you. Mm. That's sick, dude. Um, man, I'm liking where this is going. So, what was it like um, when you didn't? get the trap and what did you choose was it hard to veer off I mean it seems like you've always got stuff going on you've had stuff going on in your life do you just pivot really quickly and then just like <laughs> you know you're like fuck that didn't work let's get crack on something else that word pivot has really shown up a lot in my life lately um, my biggest issue in life is failure uh, sorry it's focus I've always struggled in focus and it really hasn't been until about the last Actually, I'd say meeting Paul has really helped, but because um, Paul, Paul, Paul looks at <laughs> Paul's very like this, and, and really focused. Like he, he kind of, I don't know how you say it, but like he funnels his thought process into one thing. And I would say if you flip that funnel upside down, I would come from one spot and look very globally, and he looks very locally on things. Mm. Yeah, um, he was saying that before. Yeah, so. and and so having somebody like that in my life is great uh, because it's not a negative; it's a positive thing. You're able to. Um, you're always able to look at it from a different perspective. Uh, by lacking focus in my life, it's one of the main reasons I didn't take cycling to the next level. It's one of the main reasons that some of my businesses failed. It's one of the main reasons that relationships have failed. I, I find so many things fascinating. I graduated from university in 22 different faculties. The average person goes in four. So there's a reason that having one degree that's just a, 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 a accumulation of so many isn't actually a degree in anything. It's mm. just a degree in everything. And that's kind of like summates my life. And so what are you fo trying to focus on at the moment? Right now, it's, I'm trying to focus on... I have three major goals. The first one is I want to be able to work remotely. So I want to be able to take my job, sit on a beach in Costa Rica, surf in the morning, do yoga, and, and challenge my brain from anywhere in the world. Being a personal trainer and a gym owner in a brick-and-mortar business, you have to be present. And that is instantly eliminates your ability to, uh, that instantly kills your ability to, to do that. So right now I'm trying to focus on this transition from being physically present with my work to being, um, help me. <laughs> Bone's gone. Uh, being physically present to being able to work remotely. So that's really the focus. The second thing is I want to be able to create a job where I have passive income. So I can work from overseas, I can take some time off, and I can make some money 
that way. And then the last thing is always be challenged creatively. Creatively. So as long as those three things are happening, then I, that's my focus. And how do you challenge yourself creatively? Uh, working with brands. I really like the idea of, you know, I wanted to be an actor because I thought I was going to be, it was a creative outlet. But the more I was acting, the less I was being challenged creatively because you're so limited to the mindsets of the people around you. Like the director is the one really in charge. You can make some choices, but I wasn't able to like overact or do this or do that. Mm. When we get to work with companies, we get to be really creative with our strategies that we use and also with how we create content for them. I get to art direct and I get to edit on the floor. I get to come up with cool strategies. I get to figure out how their content is going to be read and heard by the audiences around us. And all of that I find I get challenged creatively. And um, we want to talk about like the adventure lifestyle a bit and people... That feeling you get, we were talking about it earlier with Paul, like with watching Gary Vee and like getting pumped up and then getting a good feeling and then not actually going and taking action. Like, do you have any suggestions for people that say watch a GoPro video and they get pumped up and they're like feeling good, but they get that good feeling from behind a computer? How do they get out into their life and start living on an edge? Uh, do it. <laughs> like there's a so, reason Nike as slogan is just exactly no the, I mean there's so many barriers to entry the first thing I think is you always need a group it's really important to find a group to be a part of be it a men's group be it an adventure group we know companies in town called Chasing Sunrise they do the same thing where they organize group outings with people who either have done lots of trips or have never done trips before Sick. um hi my dog <laughs> my dog is deciding to be very energetic right now um so I think, I think number one is just to surround yourself with people doing the things that you want to do. And, and people are scared to, do, to reach out all the time. Like they're, they're, They don't want to look stupid. Hey, I've never gone climbing before, but I really want to climb. How do I do that? Um, <laughs> <laughs> dog yeah, sorry, my dog. But um, it's like, so it, you, have to be, you have to be willing to get over that, right? Like, and just reach out. Two is there's a lot of people say there's barrier with money. You can always rent. And lots of people are willing to loan you gear. So like it's most of the time it's just breaking down those barriers to doing things. And three, I think the other thing is look at it as an investment, especially if it is financial. Always, for me, my personal rule is always go for the best. So if I find a guide, I'll find the best mountain guide because I want to learn as much as I can for that amount of money. Hmm. So I think those are the three ways to kind of get off the couch after watching your cool GoPro video and, and, and go out there and do it. Yeah, it still hasn't worked for Paul, but <laughs> he'll come climbing this year. And like, for a lot of people, that is stepping outside of their comfort zone massively. Like, what's um, where was the point where you had to step outside of your comfort zone to get what you wanted? Uh, with regards to sport, with regards to sport, I had to step outside my comfort zone a lot of times. Um, Two stand out. One, when I was racing for Commonwealth, and I'd never done an international race, and I showed up on the start line of a race that no one may have ever done twice, and I had four Olympians to the right of me, and that sport... Like, <laughs> what did I feel like? You're like, oh, shit. I just Let's reckon... Let's Well, it was... Yeah, I mean, I really had nothing to lose in that moment. Like, I already lost in my mind, right? I'm, there's four Olympians in me, so I'm probably going to finish last, so what am I hoping? Anything better than last would be a huge win. And I finished third, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, boy. Um, mainly because the other two guys crashed. <laughs> but you guys got a gold medalist in, in speed skating because everybody crashed out a couple of years ago. So Man, that guy's a national hero. Yeah, like, I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> Total bullshit. <laughs> but you know what? And that's the fate of sport. Um, another time is uh, 
Two years ago, I hired a mountain guide from Canada to take me to Europe and climb over there. And literally every single day, I push myself outside my comfort zone. Like I, I'm happy to hang off of make big cliffs with exposure. And every single day, I was pushed physically, emotionally, and mentally in every aspect of what we were doing to the point where I've never bonked, like had such energy deprivation. I had oxygen deprivation. I had everything one day. And I just remember getting up to this gate that we had to go through in order to take the gondola back down because we come across this huge plateau of glacier, like glacier plateau, and there's a gondola that takes you back down to Were you rock climbing? Or I was like in Chamonix. Climbing, like I was on, ice picks? It was a mix. So it was mixed climbing, ice and rock. Um, I weighed 40 pounds more plus a 30-pound heavier bag than my guide, and it was warm enough that every step I was taking, I was punching through the snow where he was, like, floating on top. So, and we were at 4,400 meters. Like, we were high, and I was just, like, I had never been to the point where every muscle in my body was cramping. I was passing out, I was seeing black spots, and on either side of me is a cliff that's a thousand feet down on either side. And we get to this gate that you're supposed to go through that gets you onto the gondola down, and we're, the gate was closed. And I just remember smashing the door as hard as I can with my ice picks, hoping somebody will hear us. And that whole day, I was outside my comfort zone for about 14 hours until we got on that gondola. Finally, someone heard us and took us back down. And, it was epic, and it was. That's sick. It just kind of showed me that um, I, how how far I can push myself, and I haven't been close to that lately. But that was that was pretty extreme. Like, and I also didn't want to look bad in front of the mountain guide. You know, like, <laughs> I didn't want. But he was suffering just as much, which he told me a year later. He's like, "That was the hardest day of my life," and I was like, "That's so great that you were suffering, but never showed me." <laughs> um, That's dope. So, with regards to. To like sport for sure that was one and then with regards to life in general i did a reality show and that was stepping outside my comfort zone and in every aspect of what a reality show is <clears throat> you expose every bit of yourself to the world in so many different ways and you have to take a lot of risks in order to make it interesting or you don't get any airtime what were the what was the show and what were the risks uh, it was called timber creek lodge so it was essentially nine of us that ran an adventure lodge in whistler so it was my dream job i just got to take people heli skiing and and mountain biking, climbing, it was, it was amazing. And, uh, you know, you have relationships on screen, you, you end up with, you learn what haters are from social media world, like Twitter, people just hate you. And you also learn the difference between being a guy and girl in social media and, and the benefits of being a guy. Uh, there were so many different aspects and every single day was stepping outside your comfort zone because you have a camera on you 24 hours a day and you have microphones on you 24 hours a day. So that one definitely challenged me. But the coolest thing about that is I learned that Whatever I'm doing in that moment, 13 seconds later, people forget about it. That's why it's mm. called 13 seconds of fame. You have 13 seconds where people actually remember what the hell you're talking about, and by the 14th second, there's a new shiny object that they've forgotten about. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't follow you. It yeah, just people yeah. forget. And then what were the risks that you took in this in this show? Were you like I mean, I, to make it interesting? To yeah, I mean, like was it elimination style? Like no, what was the... it was just like you really expose your vulnerabilities, and you know, in situations where you don't need to. Like I could have kept, I could have been a really boring character on that show. I could have just done my job. Yeah, just like my being friends. safe. You're like, but I did it. Like I, when there was an opportunity, I would confront a guest and have it. I would speak my mind. TV is only interesting in that segment when you speak your mind. So I would confront a guest, or I had a, you know, I had a girlfriend on the show, and then I had sex with another person on the show, and like. I did all of these different things that <laughs> do it for the ground. Definitely, yeah, essentially, <laughs> do it for the reality TV show, and it just sh- it taught me a lot, and I I don't regret a single thing that was done on that show. It was an amazing experience. That's classic. And the best part is, is no one remembers it, and no one knows what you did. Yeah, that's it. And then have you been, have did, was that a a shift when you took more into social media, and you were like, and you know the things that you've been doing more recently, you were like, 
Yeah. And it allows it, you to take that. Like we like you were saying earlier, we're so flooded by content and it's like, well actually, this isn't that scary because no one's gonna remember it. Say whatever you want on social media, 30, 50, depending on Insta story, but fifteen seconds later it's all gone. Like yeah. if you turn it off, you go to somewhere where you have no service, no one knows you. Like you don't realize these things. You think you're always so connected and so ingrained, but like really you're not. If you don't want to be connected to the world around you, just turn your phone off. Man, I um yeah, I was out on Vancouver Island for like an initiation weekend a couple of weeks ago, probably a month and a half ago. And yeah, I just turned my phone off and it was just like, and I was away, like completely just like nothing, you know, in the middle yeah. of the bush. And then coming back, I got dropped off. The guy couldn't find the, like to drive into the ferry where the passengers dropped. So yeah. I was just like, I was like, just drop me here. I had all my bags and I'm walking through where all of the, the cars are lined up and there's people just in their cars that's like dead, you know what I mean? Lined up and I'm just walking through them and I was like, whoa. I was like, I'm just back in the cattle ranch. Like, I'm just mm-hmm. back in the sheep lot. You know what I mean? It was just waiting to go into the boat. 100%. It was full and, on. and it's it's scary. Like, and that's kind of one of those things that show taught me is like people's. My girlfriend is a uh, an actress, very successful actress on a show. She has a hundred thousand plus fans, and she goes to these fan conventions, and thousands of people line up, pay her money to give her a hug, and they tell her their life stories, and it's shocking what she hears and what she goes through. And it's just crazy because if the TV was off and the inter- people didn't have the internet, who would she be? Would you know her? Like, would you see her? Would she have any impact on your life? Like it's, and it's, it's really important that we recognize that. Like when you're dead, you're dead. When the TV's off, people don't know you. Like it's life, you have your own life to worry about mm. and your own goals and your own dreams and the things you're chasing. And that's what's really important and people forget that. Five seconds later, everything has to be on the gram because it's so important what the gram sees. Well, Graham is one part of the industry. It's also one very, very, very small part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And really, it isn't part of who you are. Yeah. And I'm just trying to think which way I want to take this. Insert commercial. <laughs> um, Sponsored by Ursa Major. What do you do? What do you do now for to get out? To get out. Well, I love that. In which part? Get out where? Get out of, <laughs> like, when you, you feel like you're getting sucked in and you are becoming absorbed in that, how do you take yourself out and reconnect or? Well, I think Paul can probably speak to this really well. It's like, I'm not very good at turning off work. <laughs> like, I'll work till four or five in the morning sometimes and go to sleep and then go to work. But I, but it's because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Um, when my job feels like it's taking away from my learning or my creativity, that's usually when I unplug. And when I really want to unplug, I go ski touring because there's no cell service. So I just get out in the middle of nowhere and my life's, my cell phone isn't the important part. It's staying alive and not getting buried in an avalanche. That's the important part. And you realize real quick that that's where I find my meditation and my serenity. Mm. That in the gym. Like honestly, the gym has always been a place for me where I feel safe. What, do you listen to music when you work out? Mm-hmm. What's, what's your favorite? So, like, what's your genre? <laughs> I, I'm one of those few Canadians that if I'm doing like a heavy leg day, I throw on Nickelback. <laughs> <laughs> Get out! Yes, <laughs> because it's because it's almost like the rock version of EDM, where every song sounds the same, so you can just put it on and zone out. That's Chad Kroger. <laughs> that was totally worth the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I lose followers every time. I say yeah, that. every time. Um, yeah, I just love. I don't really listen to like metal and hard rock that too often in my daily life, but it's just so good to just like you're saying, get in that zone, just play in, and just 
Mm-hmm. It's all about the breakdown for me. Like, and, then it's yeah. just, and you're like doing a lift, you know what I mean? You're like, 100%. Get right in it. Um, so, what is ski touring? Because I'm from Australia. I saw snow from all fall for the first time this year in Banff. Like, last year in Banff, sorry. Like, ski touring is essentially backcountry skiing. So, when you're inbounds, you have a chairlift that takes you up and down the mountain. Mm-hmm. When you ski down, it takes you up. Ski touring is when you're in the back, you have these things called skins, which is like a furry rug. <laughs> That you essentially tape to the bottom of your ski. Your ski has a pivot point, and I can walk straight up the mountain. So it's a lot more work. So on a given day when you go skiing, so it's like hiking. It's hiking with skis. Snow. Yeah, it's, oh, imagine like skis on. yeah, like you've seen snowshoeing before. Imagine just your skis are now your snowshoes, and you can hike up a mountain. And that's like the tennis rackets. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> snowshoeing is like the tennis rackets. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. Like you burn five thousand plus calories easily. Oh, and how did how did you get into that? As, as a kid, you like you were just yeah. I grew up skiing. Like... I, I I grew up skiing. Um, I always wanted to be a professional skier, and it wasn't until I turned thirty that I actually became a professional skier, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah, I always wanted to do it, and I just you know I started in park skiing, so trick skiing, and then I moved out of trick skiing into big mountain. I broke my back twice, came back from that, and then I, what, what in in trick skiing. I broke once skiing Big Mountain, so I was skiing and I caught a tree under the snow and it flipped me over and I broke my back. And then a second time I was in a half pipe and I came down on the ledge and broke my back. No, that is so epic. And then three, That's years, so visual. Three, three years ago, well, I can show you that. And then three years ago, I broke my back doing a handstand by a pool. So I've broken my back three times, but I've, I've stopped doing handstands by pools. <laughs> what? Yeah, so. I'm, okay. Were you, were you pissed? Were you drunk when you broke your back doing hand? I don't drink. Sober. <laughs> so, no. So, so I was sober in every situation. I've never gotten injured. Like, the times I drink, I've never gotten injured. Not <laughs> I'm safe when I'm drunk. Yeah, yeah. And injury-wise. How, how did you recover? Like, what? Like, because I, I tore my annulus fibers in my yeah. back. And I don't think I've ever, the, the lying there, not being able to do anything was, like, the hardest part. Do you know what I mean? Like, how did you get... That three times, like the third time, you're like, oh, I don't know, I don't know what's going on. I, I fractured vertebrae, so at the end of the day, when you break a bone in your back, you can't really do much. Exactly. So luckily, like the way I crashed every single time, I was lucky. I just like a bone instead of it being like it would just crack. Like it would just like, and were you breaking the same vertebrae every time, or like different, no, I, <laughs> different parts? Three. Of three. <laughs> I have like two herniated discs in my back, but fortunately, through training, like it was pretty much fine. Like occasionally, I would just get this shooting numbness down one of my legs and. Gonna have to take a second and let it go away. And you still put axial loading on your body, like you know, everything I did. I got into CrossFit like three years ago. <laughs> Stopped CrossFit two and a half years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can pretty much do anything with my body. It's just um, I have to really focus on mobility. And uh, I, what actually really fixed my back was yoga. There's a guy in town who you should interview named Chris Dugan, who's an absolute legend. Uh, he's like a 55 year old retired snowboarder yogi who's awesome. And uh, Excuse the typing sound. Yeah, no right now, Chris, Chris Boone. Um, that's sick. He's a legend. And he literally came up to me in a class once and was like, do you want, you want me to try and fix you? Yeah. <laughs> Please help me. He put his leg over my head, did like this crazy twist and then grabbed me and was like, ready? And I was like, yeah. He's like, and I thought he cut me in half and all of a sudden I got up and I had no more chronic pain. Wow. Yeah. He just under- he understands the body because he's been injured lots his life as a snowboarder and then he became a yogi. He's like, I want to do this to fix myself. That's cool. Yeah, I really liked it. And what's what's holding you back right now? You get what you want. <laughs> I know Paul would have a different thing to say here. 
Let's hold me back right now. Honestly, um, I'd say there's three parts to that. One, I'm not a very good guy in a relationship because I'm really focused on where I'm at in my career. I find my career really exciting. So being in a relationship and trying to balance a relationship and work is, is very challenging. It's hard, right? It is because I find I find that I find I can find mastery and learn a lot in every aspect of my life, except for in my relationships, I'm very closed off to it, which is probably one of the biggest negatives to my relationship status is that I'm not putting as much importance onto the benefits of a relationship as I should. But I also realize that at my age, like I'm 31, that it, that it's, I, find, I don't know, I find my career fascinating right now. I found it, I'm learning so much every day that like by the time nine o'clock comes around, I'm like, I'm ready for bed. Like I, my brain is overloaded with learning. Mm. Um, second thing is just, I have an amazing group of clients. Like I, I continue to be a trainer because I just love it. The relationships you have is really that one-to-one and I've seen some amazing progress with the people I work with that I have a tough time wanting to actually leave that career because I love those relationships so much. And by working one-to-one with them, it limits my ability to grow my other business. And what what's that one-to-one stuff? Just one-to-one personal training. Okay. So like there's, you know, there's many ways to grow a business and, and scalability and find freedom in life. One of them is obviously you can work one-to-one. So you and I work one-on-one, one-to-many, you and a group, and then one-to-none. And so the one-to-none is great because you essentially have an audience that's buying a subscription service or hiring you remotely to do work. And that's where I'm going for is the one to the one to none. Essentially, mm-hmm. I want to be able to work remotely from anywhere doing whatever I want creatively. And then when I want to work with people, I can do that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's what's holding me back. And what's, what's the plan of attack? Uh, I mean, like I said, we turned around yesterday and launched our company, uh, Peeled Media, which I'm pretty stoked about, especially when we get our logo. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, we're moving super fast. We have great opportunity. We've got great branding. We've got great concepts. We have a great team. And so in that aspect, nothing's really holding us back. We even have some money if we need it. And the next step is just, I mean, we're doing everything right. We're not, we're not dropping the ball anywhere, which is what's so cool. So uh, with this relationship, that's just me figuring it out on my own. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Um, and what's the best piece of... Actually, what are you what are you reading at the moment? You are learning a lot. Like, what, where are you getting your? <laughs> I read Rolling Stones cover to cover last night. <laughs> I don't know why. I just bought it. The Dwayne Johnson article in the Rolling Stones is fascinating. If you haven't read it, you should read it. Yeah, really neat guy. Really, really. He's sure off the chain, man. Like, I, the, honestly, the one thing I loved about him from that article, which is totally nothing about me, but it's worth. It was really something to learn is that he recognizes that what his niche is in acting. He's like, I'm not a great actor, but people come to me because. Um, all my movies are happy. There's something that can take you out of your normal life and you'll end up being like, oh, that was fun. He's like, I want to be the actor that you watched that, oh, that was fun. And that's a phenomenal niche to be in. Like, for instance, this new movie that came out, Rampage. Rampage, something with the... He gorilla. wouldn't, he, it was with the, it's like George the Gorilla is the, his accomplice in it. He, originally the script said that George was supposed to die. And he said, I will not do a movie where the, that monkey dies. In the end of this movie, something can happen to him, but he will be fine. And I will do that movie then. And it went back and forth for months. And they eventually turned around and said, you know what? You're right. Every movie that he's in will have a positive swing and uplift at the end. It'll be like this. But he's like, I don't need to create content that doesn't, that isn't fun. I'm not the, the actor that's going to be in your movie that's saving Private Ryan. He's like, I'll, I'll save the world from, <laughs> from, you know, I'll save the world from a giant earthquake that's so unbelievable, but it'll be fun. And I think that's amazing to know. Like, He's figured his niche out and he's happy in that niche and he's he's looking at the variable effects 
versus the acute effect. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's what I was reading. But uh, books, I'm reading six books. I need to get through them. Uh, Big Magic is a really good book. It's about ideas and the abundance of ideas in the world. I'd highly recommend that yeah, one. Totally. It's, it's yeah. from the same lady who wrote Eat, Pre Eat Pray, Love. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm reading Ray Dalio's book called Principle. Oh, is it good? It's a bit dry. Is it? It's good. Yeah. I listened to his interview with um, Gary Vee. It's sick. Yeah, he's, he's, like he's a brilliant man. Absolutely brilliant man. It's just the book's kind of... Is it? Well, I find that a lot of business books are things like, like self-help books. It's about one theory, and then they take 250 to 500 pages to deliver the theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of it. Like, I kind of get your Cole's Notes version right off the bat. Mm. But his is beneficial. And then I'm reading um, Strength in the Game, I think is what it's called. Essentially, it's the same guy who wrote Black Swan. That's good. Skin in the Game. Skin in the Game. Yeah. Yeah, Skin in the Game. Same guy who wrote Black Swan. Really interesting. And it's literally just about, in order, you know, as the title suggests, like, you have to have a piece of, part of, piece of the game in order to actually have, care about the success of it. Sick. Yeah. And, man, is there, is there something that you love um, to treat yourself with? Something that you like to enjoy? A little bit of chocolate, cigar, <laughs> a little bit of... Um, I mean, my weakness is definitely desserts, uh, but good desserts. Good dessert. What <laughs> yeah. does a good dessert look like? Oh, like I love good like baked goods, like fresh pastries, and then bulletproof smoothies. But now I'm off those. I'm making those myself. Bulletproof smoothies are these like eight dollar smoothies from Body Energy Club. Try one. Like a is it like a bullet like a it's bulletproof, like a bulletproof coffee, coffee stall, but like with loaded like with everything, dates and coconut oils and everything. It's, that sounds thick. They're they're legit, but <clears throat> so I had to stop those because I was spending so much money. <laughs> and then um, yeah, but pretty much desserts. I like I like a good dessert. Yeah, what's the, what's the like a a croissant like a I'm, I'm not a pastry I'm not a pastry dude. You know what? Like one of my favorites is definitely. Um, oh yeah, I don't know. What's what's good? Good cheesecake is pretty good, but I think I'd have to say, what's the name of her company? And oh, uh, this is vegan dessert that's like made here now. It's like coconut whipped cream. Amelia, I think we should know. <laughs> Anyways, it's phenomenal. It's like cream. this whipped coconut cream. It tastes like a mousse. It's so They sell it at Caveman? Caveman? Yeah. Yeah, dude. That thing. Dude, it's so good. So yeah, good. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't feel bad, you know? Like, that's know. the key, is I don't feel bad. And it's rich, you know what I mean? You can have, like, you have one, and you're like, well, I could have another one, but I don't know if I need yeah. to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, 100%. Um, and so, I just want to, like, let's wrap it up with our last Jump. question, which is always... Three action steps you give to a guy so that at the end of the week, mm -hmm. he has been like, man, I lived more and regretted less this week. Okay. What does that look like? Um, drink lots of water, work out, get outside. Sick. No matter what, if you're weak shitty, if you do those three things, you'll be fine. Love it. Love it. It's just like, it can be so simple, right? You feel good. It's true. Surround yourself with nature, hydrate, you know, and, and challenge your body. Mm. Your mind will always be challenged by the world around you, but people are in innately lazy, and it's good to challenge your body every different way you can. Yeah, sick. Done deal. Thanks, man. Sweet. Yeah, of course. Epic. Thank you. Dude, go check out Mark at markmilburn.co on Instagram. He's got some really great content. You can follow me along there. And when you feel so inclined, which should be right now, Jump onto the iTunes ratings and reviews under Live More, Regret Less. It takes about 
20 seconds. Just let us know what you think, what you love, what you're enjoying, what you want to see more of. Slap a five-star stamp on there, and I'll see you next week.